well, we had sunshine yesterday and then rain today. Oh, life just changes, doesn't it? I remember a time in my life when um, one of the most unusual places that I've been, and I've been kind of, you know, the Philippines, India and everywhere, but for those of you of a certain age, you will remember a TV program called The Dukes of Hazard. For some of you, you'll remember that. And it was in Hazard County in Kentucky in the United States. I've been to Hazard County. Okay? And um, I drove there. And as I was driving there, I switched to a local radio station. And on, I, I think it was Highway 80, there was a phone-in to the local sheriff. And it was a phone-in about people taking pop shots at cars, driving down Highway 80, and how the sheriff should do something about it. In fact, one of the people phoned in and said, I know who that is. That's, uh, you know, Jim Bob, and, and he lives in this shack over here. It was such a local thing. I knew that I was in a different place. And so I pulled up to a, well, petrol station, gas station, and, uh, I, uh, and, and literally, folks, it was, it was kind of like, you know, people were in those blue overalls, and, you know, if ever you've seen a film called Deliverance, then that's not going to be good, uh, you know, and, and uh, I went up there, and this has actually happened to me. This happened to me. I said... Um, I would like to fill up with petrol, uh, uh, gas, sir. And the person, because they have people serving the petrol, the person actually said to me, you ain't from round here, are you? (laughs) That is actually what said. Yeah, you can weigh or no weigh. That was, and I thought, I think I might be in trouble. And so I said, no, sir, I'm from Cleveland, Tennessee, and I'm looking for the local church of God because I'm going to speak there tonight, which freaked him out completely because he couldn't tell. He could think that my accent was British, but he didn't think people from Tennessee spoke like I spoke. Completely confused him, and he went, uh, uh, it's around the corner. So I get to this church, and, you know, like today, it's kind of, you know, you know, it's okay, people come. And then I'm thinking, well, it's past the time we should start. And, you know, uh, and for some of you that'll be normal. But, you know, it's past the time we, we should start. And, uh, you, know, you know, and then it got to half an hour after we start and people are there and, you know, the bands are playing and the banjos are ding. And I was like, this is bizarre. And then the pastor's mother walked down the aisle, took her seat, nodded, and her son got up and said, well, folks, it's just great to see you tonight. And uh, we started when the pastor's mother said so. And I thought, I am in a different place. (laughs) Keep me safe, Lord. I'll preach my heart out. And then I went like a rocket out of Hazard County because it just felt alien to me. As a church, we've been sent into the world, and actually, about our faith, and about some things about our faith, and and sharing some of the personal things that we go through to our friends and colleagues at work, 
feels like you're in Kentucky in Hazard County, you've got something to say, but you feel a little bit awkward. You feel like you're not from around here. Being in India, is, is, it, it will assault your, your senses. But I sense that some of us are a little bit nervous about sharing who we really are because we think we're in an alien culture. And some of our songs today, it's about, you know, battles and darkness and things like that. And it's not that we never have a great time and, you know, we have a blast living our lives. We do. But there is a culture that surrounds us that... Some of us are nervous to say, well, I'm not sure about sharing who I really am. And then there are those people who are always trying to work every conversation round to Jesus. Have you kind of met those Christians? You know, it's like that they live with an agenda. It's like, have you ever met people actually who have an agenda in conversations and you know it's on their minds and they're going to steer it round. You know, they'll say, oh, have you, oh, this toast is nice from the canteen and uh, you'll say, ah, one day you could be toast if you don't uh, accept Jesus. <laughs> you know, and, you know, you just think, whoa, hang on a minute. What about that kind of as, a, as an agenda? I don't know about you, but I think, you know, sharing about Jesus should be just kind of natural, don't you think? Some of you perhaps work in places where they've got mission statements that have, don't seem to match what your company do. You know, you go to these highfalutin mission statements and and you kind of think, really? Do we do that? I read Nando's mission statement. It's this. It's to be the world's best quick service restaurant experience and also being the best means of providing the best service and quality so that we can make every customer happy. And uh, to this end, we will never equate uh, our food's quantity with its quality and this is what Nando stands for and that will never change. And I'm thinking, you never mentioned chicken. I mean, I would have just put down, serve good chicken, have a good time. You know, and that would have been a good mission statement for me. And I would have thrown the word nutrition in there somewhere. You know, some of you are in schools or organizations where you have these laborious meetings about, this is our mission statement, and you go, really? Our mission statement can really be detached from what we actually do. Our mission statement is transform lives transforming lives. So that means for all of us, basically, we are changed and we're helping to change others for the good. We're changed and and we want to share what that change is about so that we can help others. Does that sound all right, guys? Can we boil it down to a, a sentence? You see, Jesus did give us a mission. That's what he did. Uh, but the difference is, it's not something just we do, it's something that we become. It's something that flows out of how we are changing. In John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 4, uh, Jesus said this, Remain in me, and I will also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit unless it must remain in me. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
that actually the things that we do, if I can use a long word, is inextricably, or you can't take it apart, it's linked with who we belong to. It's everything about how close we are to Jesus will make sure what we do becomes the right thing. So today, I'm going to take a really simple approach, and let's look at what Jesus said our church mission should be. Now, church is many things to you. It's, it's family, it's friends, it's social network, it's a, it's a body, it's a gathering, it's a worship experience, and as well as all of those things which are legitimate. However, Jesus actually commissioned us and said, do this. So it's important that we stay on track. I read a kind of parable story. I've, I've kind of known it a, a really long time. And it, and it goes like this. On a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude, little, life-saving station. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat. But a few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea. And with no thought for themselves, they went out night and day tirelessly searching for the lost when a ship went down. Many lives were saved in this wonderful little station so that it became famous. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding areas wanted to become associated with the station and they gave uh, of their time and money and effort to support it in its work. New boats were bought and new crews were trained. Kalichi, put the lighthouse thing on the screen. The little life-saving station grew. And some of the new members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped. They felt Uh, that a more comfortable place should be provided as first refuge for those who were saved from the sea. So they replaced the emergency uh, cot-type beds with more comfortable beds. And they provided better furniture and they enlarged their building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members. And they redecorated it beautifully and they furnished it as a sort of yacht club. Less of the members were now interested in going out to sea on life-saving missions. So they hired some lifeboat crews to do the work. The mission of the life-saving station was still given lip service, but most of them were too busy and lacked the necessary commitment to take part in any life-saving activities. About this time, a large ship was cruising past the lighthouse and the coast. And it got wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in loads and loads of wet dirty, half-drowned people. They were sick and exposed to the elements. And some of them even had different colored skin from the people in the lighthouse saving station. And they spoke some strange languages. And the beautiful new club was considerably messed up. 
So the property committee immediately met and had a shower house built on the outside of the club so that the victims of the shipwreck could be cleaned up and brought inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities because it was just so unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal pattern of club life. But some of the members insisted that a life-saving station was their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and they were told in no uncertain terms if they wanted to go off and save lives with all kinds of various people who were shipwrecked in those waters, then they could build their own life-saving station a little bit further away from ours. And so they did. And as the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old station. And they evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded from that. And if you visit that seacoast today, you can find exclusive clubs along the shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters. Only now, most of the people drown. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to stay on track to what we are and who we are. We have to stay on track that we have a mission and a commission sitting on our lives. And so, let's just take a simple look today at what Jesus said. As he came to the end of each gospel, in fact, Throughout John's gospel, actually, he says it all the way through it. But at the end of each gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, they wanted us to do something and continue something that he started. The first uh, Bible reference that I turn you to is Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Why don't you turn there if you have a Bible or, or flick on your iPad there or something. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this. To us, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, as surely I am with you to the end of the age. Here's two elements of what we do. Baptize and teach. Baptize and teach. You see, in this scripture... The emphasis is on the word make disciples rather than go and make disciples. The emphasis is whenever you, wherever you go, make someone to be confronted with the claims of what it's been like to be a disciple. Now, next month, I'm going to speak a lot on what is a disciple. But basically, Jesus is inviting you to say, come and see what I'm like. And then he's going to say, come and follow me. Come and pattern your life after me. And then he's going to say, come and be with me. Come and do some things with me. And then he's going to say, remain in me. That's kind of a pattern for discipleship. Come and see. Come and follow. Come and be with me. Come and remain with me. Come and see. Come and and check me out. Come and follow. Come and see what my lifestyle is like and what I'm like. 
Come and do some things with me. And then remain in me. It's like a pathway of discipleship. But the entry point that Jesus said is baptizing them. In other words, that you publicly confess that this is who I am. That you say, my identity now is wrapped up in who Jesus is. Now, it's not that you lose your individuality. It's not that you lose your uniqueness, because we all are unique and special. But that you say that my life now is anchored to this person. And I'm going to have my identity in him and with him. And then it says that we teach everyone to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That we partner in life with him about how he says life should be. In other words, we gain our identity and then we identify with him. That's what Jesus left us to do. You know, there was a survey taken in the United States about how many people could remember the Ten Commandments. And uh, no, we're not going to test it today. Uh, how many people could remember the Ten Commandments? And how many people could remember what was in a Big Mac? Uh, and uh, most Americans who were surveyed said they could name the seven ingredients of a Big Mac, you know, to all be patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles and onions, all on a sesame seed bun. You know, I, run a, I won a speaking competition saying that one time. I said it under three seconds and won a McDonald's T-shirt. It's one of the greatest achievements of my life. <laughs> but what happened was is that 60% of Americans didn't recognize you shall not kill or you shall not murder, but they could name what was in the bun. 34% of Americans couldn't say, remember the Sabbath day, but they could say what was in the bun. And 29% recognized, uh, couldn't recognize, don't make any idols before you, but they could say what was in the bun. It seems it proves one point. We know our hamburgers, but we don't know our commandments. And when we talk about commandments, sometimes it seems heavy, but basically what I'm saying to you is Jesus said, come and pattern your life in a way. And that will bring you life. So that was our commission. We base our identity on him and we identify with him. Turn with me to the gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15. And basically, Mark's gospel, and, and if you've got a bit in your Bible that says this bit wasn't in it, it's basically some later manuscripts have a bit ripped off, but it was always there in some original ones. But Mark 16, verse 15 says this, He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The word gospel means good news, the good news of Jesus, to all creation or to all people groups, to everywhere. Basically, he's saying go everywhere to everyone with the good news. I've got a friend today, and he's preaching in Africa in a tent, and I, and I prepared this message, and I looked at it and went, oh, sooner you than me, Dave. <laughs> but... Jesus says, go everywhere to everyone. That's his commission to us, that we are to be an inclusive, that God wants the church to be where everybody's welcome. Uh, This is a time for you to say amen, church. Everybody's welcome. Whatever color skin they have, whatever language they're from, that no one is to be missed out in our hearts. Mark goes on to explain that this will be a bit of a tussle. That, that there'll be some uh, wrangle over the fact that we are to preach the gospel everywhere. Not everybody will, will receive it. Not everybody will understand that it's good news. But it is good news. The good news is that God loves me. 
He loves me. He's not angry. He's not some old granddad in the sky. Oh, had a funny moment yesterday. Really funny moment. You know all the climate, climate change protesters that have been going on? I was sitting there watching that, and I said to my son-in-law, you know, when you get to my age, you have to resist being that grumpy old person that says, those young people should go get a job, you know, and, uh, you know, or get back into school. And, I, and, you know, I was resisting that because I'm kind of thinking that something good's going on. And as I said that, an old guy was on TV and said, these young people should go get a job. And my son-in-law <laughs> said, yeah, you mean like that guy? I said, yeah, that guy's on the inside of me, and I'm just dealing with that in Christ. But you know, we're not, God isn't a grumpy old person. He loves us. And the gospel says He loves us, but we've done something wrong. That, that we, we've actually thought something or done something that isn't the best for us. In fact, the Bible calls it sin. But the Bible then says that Jesus came and He died on the cross for us. So that he could pay the price for everything we've done wrong. And so that then we have a question. Would we accept that and put our wrongdoing on him? Could we be humble enough to say, well, that counts for me and I receive that into my life? You see, that's the good news. It's a good news. And, and Mark says that Jesus said, go and tell that story to everyone. Don't miss anybody out and go everywhere with it. Go everywhere with it. Go over to the Luke. And uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 46 through 47, says this. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. And on the third day, repentance uh, and for the Excuse me. On the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, Jesus said. I'm going to send you, send you what the Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. You know the word repentance? It says that Jesus said, look, your message is one of repentance. It means to change your mind about how life works and about how you are. And our message is one of, you know, let's change your mind on some things. Life really doesn't work the way that the world says it does. You know, house, car, mortgage, holiday, dream girl. It doesn't work like that. There's more to life than that. And our message is a message of forgiveness, Jesus says. Our message is forgiveness that, that actually no matter what you've done and who you've hurt, not that to condone that, but to say you can be released from the damaging power of that. That's our message. But the Jesus says, all this is in his name, but you're going to need power to do it. There's going to be something that you're going to have to put on and put in in order for you to carry that on. You can't just be a nice person. You have to have God's help and God's power, and he wants to give you that power. And so, you know, if you felt like me in Kentucky, you need to say, God, would you help me to share this message? And he'll give you his Holy Spirit and his power to do it. That's what Luke says Jesus said at the end. 
John's gospel is slightly different in that it shows what Jesus was saying throughout his life. But this is what we can learn. Jesus said, whatever I do, my works, you will do them. In John 14, 12, he says, you're going to do what I did. What did Jesus do? He made a friend of people and he spoke to them clearly. He did some miracles. Jesus said, "Uh, uh, what I do, you will do. He taught people. He gathered people around himself and said, we can change this world. If he did that, he's saying, you can do that. And then in John 17, he says, As I've been sent sent into the world by my Father, you are sent into the world. You know, you don't just go to work. You've been sent. You're assigned and you're commissioned. There is something sitting over our lives as people in church where we say, I don't just show up, I'm assigned here. Now, that doesn't mean to say you can never change your job, but many of us have got to have a sense in our lives, God, I'm on your mission here. Now, one of our missions is to do an excellent job at work that we don't just sit around, you know, telling people about Jesus and think we should get paid for it, that actually, by the way that we work, we've been sent there by God. Amen, church? But just the way that Jesus was sent... I wonder if we could go about our lives as if it was on purpose we've been sent. And then Jesus said something else in John 17. He says that that you must be one. The same oneness as the Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you you gave me that they may be one just as we are one. In them, and you in me, I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. We're in a world, we're in a nation that does not have unity at the moment. And one of the striking witnesses that we could be is to be a loving people in unity Because then the words of Jesus would come true. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Your togetherness, your unity, your kindness, your love for one another is a huge witness to everyone outside. People are longing for the type of familyness that we have here. The way that we are with each other is important. It's a witness. Lastly, in John 15, Jesus said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You didn't choose me, I chose you. And I have appointed you that you go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. We are to live fruitful, flourishing, productive lives. We are not the people that sit on the sidelines and say, Oh, I've got a problem, therefore I can't do anything. We are actually the people that say, Jesus, as I walk with you, now it's okay to have some time out, sit in the sidelines. It's okay, but there's a time when you have to get back in the game and say to yourself, I'm getting up and walking with Jesus. Lord, bring me that fruit that you have appointed me to have. 
We are to be productive and have lives beyond ourselves. Can I just say to you that your life isn't just about you? That we are to have an effect beyond ourselves. And that's what Jesus' commission was. You see, in all four Gospels, he says, can we have an outward focus as well? I've preached this month about having good gatherings, and I really believe that. But if that's all that we do, we need to look beyond ourselves and look to some people that are coming up in our schedule this week and say, can I have an outward focus so that I could help someone else and actually share with someone else? What are the three ways to win the world? Prayer, care, share. If you pray for everybody you meet... If you care for everybody you're in touch with, you will get the opportunity to share good news. It's that simple, guys. Prayer, care, and share. All four Gospels tell us we are to have an outward focus. There's a becoming to actually be a disciple. And then the sharing should flow naturally from us. There's a witness from us as individuals and a witness from us as a group. You know, with your generosity, we we are going to give some money away in the next few weeks to Hope for Justice. And we're going to try and break uh, some slavery in this city as a witness from our group. You know, we're going to give some money away uh, in the next few weeks Uh, days and uh, weeks to the Salvation Army to help the homeless in our city. We're going to do that. We're going to seek to be the best witness as a group. But what about you as an individual? Would you seek to think beyond yourself? Perhaps just this week you could maybe invite somebody to church next week to hear an amazing talk by Pastor Nick on, on how, why the Bible can be authentic in everybody's life. But maybe God could call you and on your seats here is a mission cry to say, could you come over and help us and be a missionary over at our little church in the east of the city? And it may not be your natural environment, but you might hear the call today to say, go everywhere and just Try and build something beyond yourself. Perhaps you could fill that in and put it at the info point or or make sure I get it or one of the hosts. Maybe you could say, you know what, I've been thinking about it and this is my moment to decide about it. The church is commissioned. Let's all stand together. The church is commissioned. Come on, worship team. There is something that sits over our lives. It's not just an agenda. It's not just an opinion. It's something that Jesus said, this is the hope of the world. There are broken people. There are very well put together people. But everybody needs to hear that I love them. And he didn't say, I will shout from the sky and give them lots of signs, although he does give people signs. 
and coincidences. I call them God incidences. He does that. But you know, the most way that he wants to share his love is through you. So you have a commission sitting over your life. And the commission is that we share him. We become like him. And we must build our lives around it and we must weave it into everything we do. Not as just a tick box and an agenda, but something that naturally flows from who we are. We are to become and we are to call others to become like Jesus. So this week, I wonder if I could give you a little assignment. First of all, could you tell someone your story? Could you just say, hey, this is, you know, just naturally as it comes up, could you say, hey, this is how I came to faith? Could you just share your story? You see, Jesus said, would you be my witnesses? That means say what happened to you. Say what you saw. Say what happened. There's a really old hymn that says, you ask me how I know he lives. Come on, finish it off, some of you old guys. He lives within my heart. Nobody can take that away from you. That's your witness. So maybe you could share your story just once and maybe you could just invite someone just to come to church. Just say, hey, come and hear this. Oh, sorry, you're on next week. I was about to say this funny preacher. So come and hear this really intelligent, handsome-looking speaker in our church. And the week after that, we'll get back to the funny one. Could you do that, church? They say, hey, it's really quiet in here. Could you do that, church? Could you say, oh, okay, Lord, I kind of haven't been outward looking enough. I haven't. Start with your family. Start with your friends. Don't start down New Street with strangers. Start with your colleagues. And God will send you some strangers. A way of symbolically saying that I need power is perhaps just to hold your hands out. Would you join with me in that? If if you're not used to that, then please, just absent yourself, it's fine. And just for a moment, because we're all nervous about our commission, would you just say, God, would you just help me? Help me. Fill me with power. Just help me, Lord. Help me to share. Help me, Lord. And if you're here today and you're just checking out Jesus and checking out church why don't you just say Jesus I want more of you I want more of you Holy Spirit come and fill this your church we're going to sing a song